0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The raise radio network proudly presents this week in Rays baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, thanks very much for joining us once again, as uh, we are closing in on opening day, uh, three and a half weeks to go. Uh, Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay Times with us we've got some interviews from camp that we'll get to in a bit Mark uh, I guess another week down and uh, knock on wood from a race standpoint it's been a very quiet week in terms of the fact that the the core right now remains healthy
1: yeah Neil it's been interesting a couple of our national media friends have been rolling into camp over the last few days and they'll usually you know poke their head in and ask you or ask me you know what's going on what's the story what's been the big news lately and I kind of look at them like, it's really been quiet. I mean, you know, especially contrasted to last year when there were those three significant trades in the first week of the season, and then there was you know really trickle down and fallout from them for several weeks in, and this has really been a quiet camp so far. I, I guess you'd say maybe Blake Snell's you know, interview I did with him the other day where he came out and said he wanted Craig Kimbrell here was one of the newsier things, but otherwise it's been quiet. The injuries have been uh, minor, or to kind of some depth, guys, as you use the phrase, and there, you know position battles really have you know, not much. There's a couple of bullpen spots, maybe a spot on the bench, but I think that's really kind of claimed. And Otherwise, it's kind of been camp tranquility. It
0: has, and it's certainly a, a contrast, as we've talked about, from a year ago. You, know, you touch on the injuries. The most significant one's Ian Jabot. He's not resumed throwing yet. And then we learn Joe McCarthy um, is out with a back injury that really limited him to him about you know, 50 or so games last year. These are two pieces that probably we're not competing for opening day spots but I think there was hope um, and maybe even expectation that these guys could help at some point this year certainly delays that process a bit it seems
1: yeah and I think Jabot certainly I mean you're you're always more uh, of an expert on some of the minor league machinations here but I think Jabot was a guy that was on the radar of the big league staff as far as you know probably not unless there was a couple injuries in spring training but this is a chance I mean you know it's not it's funny sometimes We know there's a lot more sophisticated things that go on than we're aware of. And sometimes there's some simple things. Like it's just good for some of these players that are in camp right now to get to throw or get to play so the Major League coaching staff has the visuals. So they know what they're getting because, you know, three months from now they have an injury or somebody's sick or has a maternity leave or paternity leave, whatever, you know, they've got to leave and they've got to get a player up there, and there's a conversation, and the impression that the Major League staff has of that player from spring training
0: sometimes can help sway that point. No question about that. Um, in terms of the injuries to core players, there's really two that we're watching that are quote-unquote sidelined, and uh, as we speak, Ryan Yarbrough is is you know getting himself back up on the mound and throwing um, uh, bullpens again, and uh, Matt Duffy, perhaps this weekend could be back in game so if that's the case and they both check out through the course of the weekend then the Rays at least would appear to be pretty close to full strength in terms of potential opening day roster guys
1: yeah because both those guys are supposed to be on the opening day roster I I, you know I probably would have to say Duffy's of the greater concern just because he's a little bit of a track record with hamstring injuries before he came into camp you know he was excited he was healthy the team was excited he put on the weight he bulked up he'd look good He'd been working out he'd be doing all these things and then to have this kind of setback right away I mean you know we are here at the end of the second full week of games and he's played one game so there is a little bit of focus on that and, and you know the Rays do have a lot of depth there I mean I was actually thinking if he were to not be ready to start the season and go on the injured list don't forget it's not the disabled list anymore it's the injured list I love saying the IL is going to take a little bit more work You know, it it really wouldn't have a huge impact. I mean, it might get Daniel Robertson a little more time, or maybe Yandy Diaz just plays a little more third than first. It might get Christian Arroyo on the roster, but, you know, it's not like that would seem as big of a blow as you'd normally think of losing your third baseman and one of the guys who hits the top part of your lineup because they have so much depth and versatility of the guys they can move around.
0: Certainly a key piece, and one of the key pieces of the roster is actually DHing for part of this week, that being Tommy Pham, who's been bothered by a little bit of a shoulder injury, and you spoke with him. And it sounds like he really kind of took the lead on this to make sure that he's in the best spot possible for opening day. He did a great piece that I hope people have read in the Tampa Bay Times about him uh, and about just his journey to get to where he's at right now.
1: Yeah, Neil, I appreciate you saying that. And hopefully Dave wills we can help him with the big words and stuff in that story. But the thing with Tommy Pham is the intensity with which he plays, and I think that carries over, and we're, we're learning about him. I mean, a handful of times that I've talked to him, you know, this spring, you know, probably a dozen times when he was with the Rays the last two months last year. You learn a little something every time how he goes about things, one of which, by the way, is he swings his bat very seriously when he's in his locker, so you've got to give about a six-foot circle there until he knows you're, you're closing in on him. But, you know, he said you know, he didn't feel the shoulder was as good as he wanted it to be in throwing drills and, you know, the couple games he played in the outfield. So he said, he went to the Rays and said, I think I need to strengthen my shoulder a little bit. He called it a pitcher program. I think it's more of a strengthening program. He used to pitch in high school before he had arm surgery. And, you know, to his credit, I guess, of realizing, hey, I can take some time now, you know, not throw for a week, work on strengthening, DH, still get his timing down. And as he said, be ready to go for the season. And and obviously... Tommy Pham wants to play every day. He's not going to play every day, and, and it's going to be interesting to watch how Kevin Cash breaks the news to him. Maybe he's going to have
0: some reinforcements in the office when he calls him and tell him he's getting a day off. I, I would think it's going to be probably um, more often than not we're going to see him in the lineup. We certainly saw how he did last year and how, how he played hurt and played so well. Wallhurt. um now as we look at the present we also look at the future the race actually had a media day on the minor league side this week and you did a, a piece that i want to make sure we touch on and that's wander franco he's certainly not going to impact the 2019 Rays, but i'm sure he also feels he's not as far away as some people think too
1: yeah i don't think he wants about impacting the 2019 race neil but i do think he'd like to impact the 2020 Rays and you know, you sometimes you you wonder some of the kids that come from other countries, that, you know, how aware are they about some of the things we talk about a lot. And, and I think Wander Franco is definitely aware that it's rare for teenagers to play in the big leagues. And I think, you know, he's well aware that you know, if he could make it up by the end of next season, he would do so as a 19-year-old. He'll, you know, his birthday's March 1st, so he would turn 20 going into spring training in 2021. So to make it up by the end of next season. Now, he's going to start this year most likely at Class A Bowling Green. So that would be a lot. But, you know, we saw uh, Nate Lowe make his way up through A, double AA, A, triple A. Now, he was a repeater at A last year, but he went A, double AA, A, triple A in one year. So, you know, we'll see how quickly Wander Franco moves. The fact that he is just 18, they're going to be a little bit more cautious with him. But what a talent And, you know what, I was impressed. I mean, and, you know, just maybe it was a 20, 25-minute interview. And there were a couple other guys popping in and out there. But, you know, Manny Navarro, the race translator, doing a great job with Wander and, you It was just interesting to see. I thought he was very, you know, genuine in his answers. I thought he thought about the answers that needed some thought, but yet you saw that little bit of kid in him, too, and, you know, kind of part of my premise was, you know, how do you balance all this, and he said he spent the winter just trying to be a kid, and, you know, and his brothers, who were both named Wander, by the way, and... And his dad, who's also named Wander, would see stuff on the Internet and tell him about it. Hey, you rank this, you rank that or something. But I I don't think it's gone to his head. And talking to Mitch Lukovic, you know, the race farm director, a longtime guy who said, you know, they're always worried about those young kids and how they're going to handle things. And look, they've had some go, you know, off the rails the wrong direction, too. But the fact that Wander has baseball people in his family, both those brothers do play in the minors. And his two uncles, Eric and Willie Ibar, both played in the big leagues.
0: And and to that point, um, I think he's probably the most talented of the guys that the Rays have had come through their system, too, at least at this age. I, I don't think they've had a guy at 18 years of age who has the the upside that a guy like Wander has.
1: Yeah, the only one I would probably uh, and I rarely ever disagree with you on, but Josh Hamilton was that age coming out of high school as the number one pick in the 99 draft. You know, the Rays went back and forth uh, between a couple of guys there and who to take. And they obviously decided on Josh Hamilton and uh, Josh Beckett was one of the other ones and you know it didn't work out for the Rays he ended up making it to the big leagues ended up winning an MVP award but I think the Josh Hamilton that the Rays drafted at that time they thought he was you know the natural and destined for you know 15 years in the big leagues as a superstar and I know they're very excited about Wander Franco and also the fact that Wander Franco is a switch hitter he plays shortstop right now there's a lot he does they talk about the contact rate the bat speed and just, you know, the all-around scouting report on Wander Franco is really impressive. And, you know, for fans down here, I would think you'll get to see him at some point because if he has a good start to the season in Bowling Green, he'll probably get promoted to the Stone Crabs and be playing in the Florida State League.
0: Maybe, maybe. I, I just know how the Rays are usually with a player first-time full season. They like to have that first full season at the same level. Now, we'll see if that changes for an 18-year-old who's that skill, but certainly bears watching over the course of the year. And other than that, it's been a relatively quiet spring. We did get to see a lot more kids at spring training, not only with this minor league media event, but also the USF game. And that's probably something we also should touch on because uh, I thought Blake Snow was about as accountable as you could imagine for an event that really was focused uh, on him getting some work and others getting some work and really getting to show off some of the talent the Rays have in their system.
1: Yeah, it was cool. It was an interesting way the Rays did it, and you know maybe they could have if they knew they were going to do it this way. It might have been more interesting even to market that way and maybe kind of sell it as more of a futures game kind of thing. Because you know I I've written about Brendan McKay fifteen times probably. I never saw him actually playing a game until uh, Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night, and you know he DH'd for the the Rays team in there. You know we saw Vidal Brujan and the speed that he has. Uh, we saw a couple of the other guys: uh, Hernandez, the catcher; Moises Gomez, the outfielder. So, getting to see some of those guys actually play, having read about them, written about them, was kind of cool. And, you know, that was almost like the second wave of guys coming. I mean, we were familiar with the guys who are at AAA, the guys who've been to the big leagues briefly. Brandon Lau would certainly be one of them. But some of the other guys that have kind of emerged as key prospects and top prospects for the Rays, and you get a sense of that. And it, it was cool for the USF guys, too. I mean, I, I talking to their coach and, and reading some of the social media stuff from some of their players, I mean, he said as soon as they heard Blake Snell was pitching, they'd been a buzz for about a week or so, you know, as far as coming down here. One of their players, you know, put something on Instagram, told Snell he was going to take him deep. And the irony was Snell didn't pitch well enough to get through the lineup once this kid was batting ninth, so we never got to see the showdown. But I do think Blake was accountable. And, and to be quite candid, maybe in retrospect, if the Rays were going to think this whole thing through again, Maybe he should have just gone to Fort Myers and pitched against the Twins. And, and, you know, maybe the fact that he admitted he didn't have the right mental preparation, he didn't have the attitude he normally has, which is you can't touch this when he goes to the mound. You know, he kind of let that get in his head a little bit. He was very accountable in explaining it, as you said. In retrospect, maybe they should have just had him pitch against a big league team.
0: We know you bring it all the time, Mark, and we appreciate some time on our podcast.
1: Anytime, Neil. And I'm glad to know that you'll also be the opening day starter along with Blake Snell.
0: Uh, Good stuff from Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. I would say maybe opening the broadcast, but if the Rays want to win, certainly they're not going to have me opening in any other capacity. Now to get on to some of our interviews uh, from the player side on uh, our latest podcast. And I think Mark mentioned it, the Rays still have a couple of bullpen spots that they're trying to figure out, and right in the mix of it is one – Adam Klerik. Uh The lefty has not had a great spring numbers-wise, but I still think it's kind of early, and I don't know how much you put into results this early in camp. Uh, he had a terrific second half of last year. In fact, I think probably one of the best moments was him getting out of that bases-loaded non-out jam for the Rays in New York to win a series on the road against the Yankees. And I asked Adam how much last year helped him.
2: Uh, I think just the main difference is I'm able to come in, um, you know, my third year with the Rays organization so you know it's just that comfort level of you know you know your coaches you know your teammates you know obviously there's some new guys but just that comfort factor you know can play a big role in just your confidence and how you go about your business um you know as far as my you know the mentality goes i kind of keep it the same you know it's 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 just a you know it's a big um you know trial. it's a big you know you still got to you know go in like you uh still have to earn everything you know nothing's given and just because you had a good year last year I think it puts you in a good position for this year to you know hopefully continue to contribute but you know I, I still like having the mentality that I have to you know put my head down each day and uh, and continue to earn everything that comes my way.
0: That said was maybe the success you had in the second half almost motivating for this year or or did it help with the just the belief level at this level in in your ability to perform?
2: Sure, I think anytime that you're able to have success, you know it it it, it can only bo- uh, boost your confidence even more. So, um, just proving to yourself and your teammates because you know, you know you can prove it at each level you're at through the minors. But you know until you're at the major league level and um, and called to contribute each you know be at least be available each and every night. Like you know kind of that's how my role goes. So staying available. Um, and knowing that you know each night, you know most likely if, if I do get to come in the game, you know it's going to be in, in at an important time where you know there's probably runners on. So, anytime you're able to come in confident, knowing that you've gotten people out before in big situations, can obviously help uh, you know boost your confidence in, in the next game as well.
0: Are there certain areas where you definitely want to continue to grow or improve, and if so, where are they?
2: Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, you know, being a, a ground ball pitcher, you know. Uh, When I face lefties, you know, obviously that's kind of what, you know, my M.O. is. But, you know, I I do feel very confident in facing righties as well. I've been working with Kyle you know, Snyder um, in our conversations throughout the offseason as well, so far early in camp about how we're going to attack right-handed hitters and continue to get more ground balls out of them. You know, I've never been through the minors. You know, I wasn't used as a specialty guy. You know, I was used against righties as well. So I always feel confident against them, and I feel like a lot of the times – you know, I, I may give up hits to righties, but you know, for the most part, you know, it's just singles. They're staying in the they're staying in the ballpark, and and uh, for me, it's it's really just about um, you know getting uh, weaker contact from them. So just working on that.
0: And from a pitch standpoint, is there anything that you're looking to refine, or any particular pitch where you want to have it improve in any particular area, and if so, what?
2: Well, I think my changeup um, has historically been my second uh, best pitch especially to righties um, my slider is finally getting to that point now um, where I'm going to feel confident this year and throwing it to righties as well um, just to give them another look because you know every, everything I do as a sinker ball pitcher you know I'm trying to stay it down and usually away in the zone um, but obviously major leaguers make that adjustment and um, you know start looking out on that outer half of the plate so my slider kind of coming down and in on them as well as, you know, mixing in my stuff from over the top, breaking ball from over the top as well. I think that's going to help uh, keep the righties off balance and give me a lot more success.
0: Well, you had, um, you know, you're preparing for this season. You also had an interesting off season. Tell me about your trip to Israel.
2: Yeah, I went with uh, my wife's whole family, her parents, sister, brother, and uh, his wife. And we visited Israel for about 10 days right before Christmas. Um, So my wife's whole family, you know, they're Jewish. And she actually has an aunt and uncle five cousins. They're all married. They all have kids that all live out there. So we got to spend time with them, see where they lived. Uh, They showed us around. I mean, we put about a thousand miles on our uh, rental van and just toured around the whole country. And it was beautiful. I mean, we stayed uh, just outside of Tel Aviv, which is one of the biggest cities in Israel. And then uh, obviously went to visit Jerusalem and it was beautiful. I mean, it's just, it's something that you, uh, you know, I think no matter what religion you are, you hear about and learn about that place um, your whole life. And, you know, you know whether, um, you know, it's in the Bible or any other story of, you know, modern day, um, it becomes a lot more real and it becomes a lot more uh, significant once you go visit those actual places and kind of look around at the scenery and just think back of all the history and, you know, Events that have happened over the course of time uh, in that country,
0: eye-opening and and biggest takeaway for you was what?
2: Uh, extremely eye-opening and and for me the biggest takeaway was um, you know I think getting outside of the U.S. you're able to see you know it, I mean obviously the different cultures that are out there but you start to understand that how big our world is and how diverse we all are and I think you know you know. In, in the U.S., we can sometimes be, uh, think we're like in a little bubble, and you know, not you know not understand everything that's going on around us. You know, you hear stuff in the news, but I think until you really go over and see um, see what's really out there in this world, you know, you, you start to see that yeah, it's very diverse, but we all want the same thing. We all just want to be happy. We want to enjoy our time with our family, uh, and and being able to to see that this offseason, I think, is uh, you know puts puts a perspective in your mind and, and i think can help you in, in your life in your career and and with your family
0: i was gonna ask that does that help in a clubhouse where you have people from puerto rico bahamas venezuela D- dominican republic and other
2: places here near there and far away absolutely i mean uh you know baseball is a very diverse game as well and then you start th- yeah with like you know not just um latin countries but with the asian countries as well and uh you realize you know for as diverse as we all as we are as people on this planet. uh, I think we're a lot more relatable than uh, we give ourselves credit for. Um, I think those kind of relationships that you can start developing with, uh, you know, with your teammates and with, you know, anyone in life, you know, I think it gives you better perspective on that.
0: Really good perspective from left-hander Adam Klerik on his trip to Israel and his experiences so far with the Rays and hopefully a successful rest of camp and uh, some big moments coming up for him. In the year ahead in the Tampa Bay bullpen now Adam was one of the many guys who again was getting a first true lengthy opportunity at the big league level Andrew Velasquez made his big league debut last year in September he of course a utility guy and uh, last year one of 23 rookies to be on the Rays roster and I asked him how that experience in September has kind of helped shape him and maybe inspire him and push him for this 2019 campaign
3: I think for anybody, it's just like a culmination of everything. You know, I spent a lot of time in the minor leagues, probably six, seven years. So, just to get there, I mean, and I was, I was pretty surprised. Like, I mean, everybody thinks that they can make it, that they, you know, they got a chance. So, but um, I was pretty surprised on the call up and uh, grateful for the opportunity. Nice to get my feet wet, get up there, and I, I think it was a little more comfortable for me because um, there's a lot of guys that I played with coming up it was a really young team I mean, how many rookies we had like 20 some rookies so um, that kind of helped the transition because the locker room dynamics were really easy um, a lot of the guys helped me out but uh, amazing amazing experience yeah. what'd you learn? Um, just you know I spent a lot of time with um, Gomez how to conduct myself how to how to, you know, little stuff, how to dress right, what, what, when to show up, you know, how to go about my day. I think, you know, in AAA too with Dan and, um, you know, Gary Reedus and AA, those, those guys kind of helped me, Brady Williams, they helped me, like, develop a routine where I could go out every day and feel like I can make a consistent contribution. Yeah, and I mean, up there it was different too, because I wasn't playing every day, I was playing, you know, every couple of days coming in. So that's a
0: little harder than playing every day, per se. Was the experience motivating at all going into your off season, and and what did you types of things did you do to let's say change how you are going into this year? Uh, very motivating, I think. You know, you get up
3: there, you kind of get a little taste of it. You, you want to stay. You know, the food, the travel, the hotels, everything. The best competition in the world. So um, I just took it, took that momentum into my off season. Um, I had to force myself to not do anything the first two weeks I got back. I was, like, texting my trainer, like, in September, like, yo, you ready? Because I'm ready. Like, <laughs> but um, just kind of try to prepare myself to play 162 games, you know, play well into September, October. So um, just gained a little weight. I've, I've been excited all offseason, so I'm glad the game's finally started.
0: How have you changed physically? You said a little bit stronger um, without sacrificing, I guess, speed? Yeah, yeah, just try to run a
3: lot of sprints um, during the week. I don't run a lot of long distance, you know. I just do like maybe 10 sprints a day and um, just try to be explosive and strong and gain weight because I'm a guy that's low body fat, so I have to gain a little bit of weight because I'm going to lose during the season. You know, everybody's different. They have different strategies, but... uh, yeah, that was my biggest thing, just to gain a little weight without trying to bodybuild or worry about the, the scale and just get stronger. And in terms of your game, how do you want to improve this year? Just cut down on certain thing, be more consistent, like uh, more consistent fielding. I think I took a big step last year, but you want to build on that. Um, on the bags, even more aggressive. I took like another big step with that last year as well, but um, you always want to improve. Cut down on certain things like strikeouts with the ball and play more. Um, and just keep being versatile, you know, work on the outfield. I only have, like, a, probably less than 100 games under my belt in the outfield, so just keep progressing on stuff like that.
0: How comfortable do you feel there? And is, I mean, you grew up as a shortstop, but now I guess you can really play six spots, right? Well, I grew up
3: as a – I played a little bit of infield, like,
0: in Little League and stuff, but I
3: was a center fielder in high school until, like, my senior year. Um – but that, I mean, it feels pretty natural. It's kind of like I have fun with it out there. Just trying to be athletic, track the balls down. I really try and get after the BP, at least for a little bit. At least you know a couple of hitters, and just kind of power shag out there. So I think that's the biggest thing that helped
0: me. You've got, I mean, you, you've got something unique, or I mean, maybe not unique to this organization, the versatility. But not many guys can play six spots.
3: Yeah. Um, I joke around and say like I'm the emergency emergency catcher. (laughs) Well, I hope not. Um, But yeah, whatever can uh, get me out on the field,
0: I'm willing to do it. And certainly, Andrew Velasquez has shown that. He has played pretty much six positions, all of them well defensively, uh, and so far has looked very good from a defensive standpoint, running the bases so far this spring. Now, uh, Adam Kolarik, Andrew Velasquez, two guys on the 40-man roster that we've touched on. And Mark Topkin uh, mentioned it, too. This week, the Rays had kind of a media day for... Uh, their top prospects on the minor league side, of course, minor league camp is open and minor league games will begin uh, March 13th of next week. Um, before this whole minor league uh, media day started, I had a chance to sit down with several uh, members of the uh, organization. And among them was a guy who I think probably will be beginning the year in Port Charlotte, that being Ronaldo Hernandez, a terrific, talented uh, catcher, probably the most talented young catcher in the race system. He's from Colombia, so he has a bit of a unique background. And uh, through my uh, Spanish and English, uh, with some help of uh, Wilson Midi, um had a chance to sit down with Ronaldo before camp open and asked him what inspired him to start playing baseball. Boy.
4: Talking with my grand, grandmother every day. She says every day you need to to do any 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 sport. Was always I was ready for the baseball. Was because I wanna play baseball because I like that. Uh, to
0: who gas the Otros deportes? Did
4: you play other sports? Yeah, I played before Before I played baseball. I played soccer. But soccer in my country is mm-hmm. difficult to play it for me because I don't have a chance in this sport, you know, because I'm coming to baseball. When did you think uh, baseball could be, you could be professional how old? Uh, when when I got uh, ten years old, I'm coming to play baseball because I saw I saw in the stadium when when the kids kid practiced every day. I come to play baseball with the coach, you know. And um,
0: what is your story about how you ended up signing with the Rays? Qua. Is to historia uh, cerca de firmar con los Reyes.
4: So, uh, before before I signed with with the Reds, uh, I was I was practicing the academy in my country. It was Angel, Angel Contreras he he saw, he saw to me every day. Um, after that, I'm coming to to Dominica Dominican Republic to. To go to do a tryout with a, another, another scout, you know, was, if, what was it, difficult it was, was difficult. It was difficult for me when I come to Dominica because it was far to my family, you know. Mm-hmm. but it's a good parent for me when I go to Dominica. What do
0: you remember about the tryouts?
4: Uh, I remember when <clears throat> I go to when I go to to Academ- Race Academy in Dominica, mm-hmm. my first day I look so so but when when he goes to sleep just I think to place baseball just that
0: Okay. Um. Or were you always a catcher? How did you become a catcher? ¿Cómo te convertiste un receptor?
4: My, first, my first time in Dominican when I signed with the Red, I played, catcher. You know, but before I played first base. But I don't know why he changed that that position. You know, just I wanna play and keep going. You know, what's the hardest part about being a catcher? For me, it was nothing. And just practice every day with uh, my defense because I want to learn every day for that, you know.
0: Last year, you were very good. Uh, Why?
4: El año pasado fuiste muy bueno. ¿Por qué? Yeah, because I was concentrated with my defense um, practice every day I just wanna learn it, learn it every day learning learning and keep doing it in my in my game you know and
0: this year how do you want to improve este año como quieres mejorar
4: I wanna I wanna it, keep, keep continuing my defense because I want, I wanna do the best catcher in the the big league you know uh who is your favorite uh can to jugador favorito favorite Javier molina because he's a good player I like when i played every day he played hard um he he got a good good energy uh
0: tell me what is special about your whole story obviously coming from, from colombia is special uh what else it, big family Grande familia? Pequeña familia? Tell me a little more.
4: I was... I had a just... your family boss. Como digo, como que mi familia siempre me apoyado. My family, they help you for every day to... to continue with my... with my professional... professional baseball... Yeah. my career, you know. How many brothers
0: sisters do you have big fam
4: yeah i got two brother and three sister boss that's good i love my family have they will they if you get to the big leagues they'll come be able to see you here will they be able to come to estados unidos yeah i want i want i want i want to do that situation I want my family, he come to to United States to see me because it's good for me. Mm-hmm. And tell me
0: who helps you with the race a lot. Que uh, entrenador te ayuda
4: mucho con los races? Always, always I practice with with Uwe, Uwe, talking with me. He want he want he want to me to learn it every day because he, he wants to see me and be lead to play. It. And Albi, how much has he helped you? Yeah, Albie, Albie is he's a good people. I like that. that person. That's guy.
0: And uh, last year winning a championship, how important
4: was that? Un campeon. Uh, yeah. That oh, was wow. a super especial for me. That was very special.
1: Unbelievable.
0: And hopefully more championships, more success in the year to come for Ronaldo Hernandez. Again, probably the top catching prospect in the Rays organization. By many accounts, really a top 100 prospect. Certainly appreciate Ronaldo joining us on the podcast. Also, Andrew Velasquez, Adam Klerik, and Mark Topkin. Don't forget this coming weekend, we've got our latest countdown to opening day show with Joey Wendell and also Willie Adamas. So join us for that. That will be a podcast, too. Expect the first cuts of camp sometime this week. You can check out our blog, raiseradio.moblogs.com, for all news. And we appreciate you joining us, and we will talk to you soon.